Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Anna Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week, it's episode two of season three. We're going to have a chat around Azure Virtual Desktop, an application and desktop virtualization solution that can help provide desktop and applications running on Azure. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, not doing too bad. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. It's our second uh, week back of uh, season three of, of podcasting in the new year. Um, I, I felt that the, the, the episode before definitely felt a bit strange because we had we had a, a month-long gap right <laughs> before, but it does feel good to have to be recording again and actually having something that we need to do every week, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It feels good to be back. Yeah, um, definitely. I did, yeah. Did, definitely did miss it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, but um, but I think it's also good because you know, in and around everything else, I think it is good to sometimes have a break. But anyway, so um, Azure Virtual Desktop, Alan, um, what are we talking about with Azure Virtual Desktop this week? Yeah, so we're going to talk about you know how we, you know, a high level, um, yeah, how it works, you know, how you manage it because um, I expect a few people. Uh, on the listening in, might have managed their you know desk, remote desktop service you know, set, you know service from you know, other products things like that. Um, you know how we test it. You know what's the difference between AVD Azure Virtual Desktop and Windows three six five. A quick sort of look at it, and you know how how can we deploy it? You know what's the different methods? Okay, and cool. And how much it costs? Well, of course. Yeah, let, let's get let's jump in then. And um, so, Alan, uh, can you give us a uh, high level like overview of what Azure Virtual Desktop is? Yeah, sure. So, the Azure Virtual Desktop is kind of what it sounds like. It's virtual desktops in Azure. Um, it was at one point called Windows Virtual Desktop, but then they rebranded it. Um, but in in essence, it's providing access to a um, host pool, you know, a session host or a um, dedicated um, machine that um, a user or users can access from anywhere well from anywhere in effect um, it's kind of like the, uh, the remote desktop or session hosting has been around for quite some time you know it's been you know thin terminals jumping onto you know remote sessions uh, depending on the you know, type of business that need it and things like that um, but this is slightly different in the sense that it's not um, Windows Server. Uh, you can use Windows Server, but this is Windows 10, Windows 11 multi-session. So that's a quite a big change sort of in the world. Um, you could do virtual desktops, VDI, uh, sorry, VDIs with other providers, you know, personal devices, but being able to do multi-sessions on a Windows 10, Windows 11 is it's quite a big thing because there's a lot of applications out there that do do checks against the operating system to be installed and they're like windows server no nah, i'm not being installed and then you get like that you have to then work around it um so it does make some of the the management sort of easier um and some of the scenarios of using um azure edge desktop if no one's sort of done, you know been in that world because you know there are other products like citrix is a big you know big key one out there and there's a few others out there um vmware do one as well um one of the main things is that if you've got remote workers, you know, they can use their personal devices 
to access, you know, and with you know security in between, can then access, you know, a, a full fledged desktop which you manage. So you're able to, you know, secure that environment. Um, other scenarios are, you know, secure workstations. So maybe there's um, they have their own, you know, corporate devices, and maybe there's some systems that have to be secured in a different way. You potentially could use it for that as an, another jump box to then get to those, you know, those systems. And then I guess the last sort of one I can think of right now is um, talking around, you know, business, uh, business continuity and disaster recovery, you know, being able to spin up, you know, multiple machines for users if, you know, there's an outage in an office, if you've just got desktops kind of thing, where they can go home and use them, or if you've got to jump to another site, maybe it might be really quick just to spin all that up. Yeah. Yeah, no, that does seem, um, yeah, it seems like, um, it's, it's, to me, it seems like a modern, um, cloud first, um, rethinking of more traditional, you know, remote service, you know, um, solutions that may be out there, you know, already. Right. Um, it's obviously, you know, so, so from, from that perspective, it does sound like they, they are approaching it from a, a, a different, you know, perspective, which does give us some, um, some, some maybe new ways to configure things, but also on the other side of it, you know, um, some simplicity, simplicities like, you know, uh, not having to worry about any of the underlying infrastructure because it's in, you know, Azure, you know, from the name, obviously. And then, um, you know, you've got things like, you know, you say that Windows 10, Windows 11, you know, multi-session hosts instead of, you know, actually using, you know, server operating systems instead. So, yeah, no, it sounds, you know, it, it sounds, it sounds uh, really good. And I would kind of say as well that it is, it has, it's been out for about, oh, I think it's about two years now, maybe three. Um, but it's definitely being developed and coming along, you know, quite, it's coming, you know, it's come a long way since then. And, uh, you know, it's, it's starting to become very competitive compared, you know, to the other RDS services that have been out for, uh, for a long time. Like, you know, Citrix has been out there for a long time. They've been working, you know, they've been, they've been out for years, you know, they've got the, all nailed you know all the management and everything you know you can't really fault their solutions just um it can be quite expensive um but that yeah it makes they make their lives your your lives easier as well so it's yeah but um yeah it's definitely becoming um a lot easier to um use and being compared you know comparable to them yeah well i think um you know I think, you know, it's it's great having those larger solutions, but like you say, you know, they sometimes are out of reach for certain organizations, you know, and also the level of control that you can have maybe in those types of systems, you know, and like you say, you can't fault the solutions that they're providing, right? Many, many years of, of experience and, um, and product development to get to where they are now. Um, but you know, to, to have everything in one cohesive ecosystem is, can, you know, can, can really be powerful, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Alan, could you just give us a sort of a high level um, a primer on, you know, how, how does it work? How does it function? Yeah, sure. So as it sounds, it all sits on Azure um, and the gateways and web access is all managed by Microsoft. So it is, you know, SaaS solution on Azure. Um, you in effect, you know, spin up these services and then they're available to you. Um, you then create host pools. Um, and these are pools of machines that then 
users can jump onto and you can put, put application desktops onto them. Um, there are two types of pools. You can have personal pools, which are in effect, you know, virtual desktop, virtual desktops or VDIs. Um, so they are, you know, assigned to individual users. So they have a one, you know, one-to-one ratio. Um, and then you have the um, pooled um, hosts and they are the ones where you can say there's 10, 10 users on, you know, one machine kind of thing to reduce that sort of cost, depending on their workload and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, there are clients that are on a majority of the operating systems apart from, so I think it is, you know, it's Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android, um, and obviously the web. Um, so there's an HTML5.8 client as well. Um, nothing for Linux at the moment, but you could use the web client. Um, and then sort of the other parts to it is that there are some um, media redirection. So we see this in other, you know, um, remote desktop solutions, but this is you know, around Teams. So redirecting the Teams voice and video to the local device so that you can, you don't, you know, consume resources on the on the remote session, but also to improve that sort of capability there. Um, and kind of the good thing about the session host piece is that it is all outbound. You don't have to worry about trying to open up ports on your file, on the files in Azure or expose them to the internet. Um, it is all outbound to the service, to the um, Azure Vegeta AVD service. Um, so then they, in effect, they, they create an outbound connection, but then the session can then come in. So it's very easy from a security perspective to sort of manage. Yeah, well, that sounds, you know, really well integrated, right? You know, and I suppose... I suppose cat out of the box, I suppose, at this point is, you know, uh, you and I have both been working with ABD quite recently, you know, and we have seen that, um, that um, I don't know the correct word to, to use, the connectedness, you know, into Azure, right? The integration, you know, to the Azure platform, right? You know, is, is sort of second to none, you know? So if you are, if you are in Azure and, and you know, that's what um the 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 world that you sort of um live in then you know um avd should feel um pretty at home to you you know you know in the, in that ecosystem yeah well exactly like you said even though it's in the cloud um you can because in effect the the host machines are just you know azure virtual machines and they connect to a vnet you know if that vnet has connectivity to your on premise then you can access those applications down on premise or if they're running, you know, any application Azure can run from there. Um, you know, there are um, images for the multi-session that it's just sort of plain, you know, Windows 10 and 11. We've also got ones with built-in Office 365, things like that. So it's, you know, it can be, you know, productivity as well as, um, you know, just joining, um, going off and, you know, just connecting to, you know, remote sessions. But that's probably another thing that I've probably missed out is that you can actually do something called remote app. And that is just showing an application rather than a user seeing the full desktop, which in some cases and maybe most cases is what you know, what you need. There may be some scenarios where you may have remote access and you just want to access the, we'll say the HR system. I, I know we always use that, but say the HR system um, from that only that you know IP range maybe. Um, you can just um, allow the application or web browser to open on that user's device and it just looks like a normal app they can move it to different you know 
pages and everything, but it's remote. So you can secure that data as well that way. Yeah, that's, I think that's, you know, really powerful, isn't it? And, and at the end of the day, and, uh, you know, that user experience is what's really going to, you know, that, that user experience is what, you know, uh, the users of the system are going to be interacting with every day, right? You know, so so how well, you know, um, uh, polished and integrated and um, how many, you know, systems are supported for those client applications is really what's going to drive you know, adoption and, you know, um, and praise and, and good feedback from, you know, I'll say non-technical users that have to actually use these systems on, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I think I've had it as well that the, when we've been testing the remote app side of things, it's very difficult to understand actually that it's a remote app when you've got all your, you know, your applications open when we've been testing it, you know, that our, you know, right desktop app, you know, so you can access stuff in Azure via it, you know, it's, you wouldn't know that it wasn't local. No, even without um, sort of GPU accelerated instances, right. You know, it is, you know, especially if you've got, you know, relatively simple, I'll call it simplistic apps that you're using, you know, um, you literally wouldn't know that they're not, you you know, uh, running locally. So it is, it is, it is really powerful um definitely um so thanks for giving us that overview of um how it sort of of works but can we talk about um uh, management because i assume our listeners are are more likely to be ones um you know you know managing this um day-to-day yes so management is it's a bit of a it can be a bit of a beast but running into virtual desktop solutions is generally um, can be difficult to manage, but I'll I'll kind of go through some of the scenarios and things like that. So yeah, setting, you know, managing Azure virtual desktop as a service is probably generally quite easy because it's mostly managed by Microsoft. Um, It's more around managing the hosts and, you know, them being available and patching them and things like that. That is the, probably the, the most difficult part and make sure applications are on there. So that is a general sort of difficulty for any remote desktop solution. doesn't matter who you, you know, who you're doing it with. You either got to build custom images to then be deployed, um, let them run for a bit. And then you re, you know, you refresh that image every so often. Um, that's one scenario. Um, depending on where it's sat and things like that, you know, it depends on how easy that may be. Um, the kind of part around Azure Vetch Desktop is that it is in Azure, it is Windows 10 and Windows 11. So that means that you can use Intune. So deploying applications, making sure they're up to date, make sure policies on there. You know, you could do some of that with group policy if you've got them joined to the domain. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute just quickly as well. But you know, if that thinks an Intune and you're already using Intune for your Windows 10 and 11, you know, endpoints anyway, it's kind of almost like transferring it over with those extra settings, you know, for remote desktop sessions, like, you know, disconnecting your session after X time and logging you off and things like that, you know, that that kind of thing for multi-session at least. Um, so you've got that sort of thing for matching applications and things like that. Um, Microsoft bought FS Logics, which was a profile management solution. They've kept the name for now. Um, but in effect, that can manage your 
the user's profiles and it can roam between different session hosts or VDIs, etc. So that's really good. And that's re- relatively simple to set up. It means that, you know, their profile isn't stored then on the virtual machine or the, you know, the session host, which means you have to worry about managing disk space. It's all done in the, the Azure files or um, NetApp files. Um, the other bit is that you can attach MSIX files or VDIs or VHDs, I should say. So if you've got custom applications that need a lot of configuration, you can attach that to the host pool and then it will attach it and the application to the um, to the, the, you know, to the hosts. So that means that, you know, in effect, it's virtualizing or adding that application into the OS without you have to worry about it. So again, you don't have to worry about disk space and keeping up to date in one, you know, in, on all the hosts. You can do it in one place, so that's really good. Um, just going back briefly to you know, um, how you you know join these devices, because in Azure you can um, Azure AD join them. It can make the auto, the authentication process in the sort of um, that domain joining piece really easy. You don't have to worry about having a domain controller up in Azure or having that VPN in. You can just be, you know, Azure already joined and then managed with Intune. You know, that's relatively easy to do. And that's what we're using, Sam, isn't it? And it's really simple. Um, you can join it to the domain, and then you can use group policy to manage it. That's absolutely fine. But when there's scenarios that you don't need to do that, I think it's worth not doing. Yeah, and as you just, you know, briefly mentioned that, how simple it is is quite incredible really isn't it you know from a um especially a deployment uh a point of view right you know it's 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 very simplistic and i wouldn't even say yeah i completely agree that the configuration of that is yeah um that's uh, definitely simple when you're you're going for that 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 type of approach yeah definitely Okay, cool. So, um, so th- thanks for talking about the the management of it. It seems like a, you know, because we're in Azure, um, we're going to have to manage it in a, a, a modern way anyway. You know, we're just going to be naturally, um, teased into you know uh, thinking about management. You know, with these um cloud based management solutions, right? You know, and like you say, it fits naturally because it's all you know part of Azure. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, could you just talk to us around the deployment and testing and, and validation process that, you, that you've been through? Yeah, sure. So it's it's kind of relatively easy to get like an initial test up, especially if you're using Intune and Azure AD joined. You know, it building the the workspace, going through the you know the portal, um, and going through the, the the blades and things like that, it's relatively easy to get something up and running quite quickly. Um, I think we probably did it in sort of once we you know doing some, especially if you've never seen it before, you know, it probably take you about half an hour to get a, a machine up and running. I think, which I think is relatively easy. I mean, bear in mind it's not going to have every all your configuration effort. You know, this is you know be able to, for you to be able to remote desktop a a, a machine in um, Azure. Which, you're talking about using the portal yeah just clicking through yeah. and creating you're getting to your first yeah. desktop right yeah oh yeah definitely yeah yeah just yeah. just oh, doing right. just getting just getting the the connectivity part done none of the management none of the extra bits that we know all the all the other bits you got to do to make sure you know reduce costs yeah. and things like that 
Yeah, um, in, in half an hour, you could have a, a, a multi-session host up and running and be able to invite a couple of people into it, right? You know, easy, easy peasy, right? Without any problems, well. Yeah, absolutely. But like I said, it's it's yeah, that was just the, talking about the connectivity, getting you access to it uh, without thinking about, you know, access to your on-premise or going through, you know, the corporate firewall, things like that, you know. Um, yes, yeah, so it's very too simple. Doing a full build and design, uh, it, I wouldn't say it takes too much, but there is a lot to think about, you know, what different types of pools you want to do. You know, do you want to do VDI? Do you want to do pools? What size do they need to be? Um, talking about, you know, your disaster recovery plan for it. Um, and, you know, of course, your Intune configuration and your, your image, that stuff takes a long time because if you haven't already, if you're not already using remote desktop services and you haven't got, a, you know, an idea of that that base image, then you've got, you know, there, there may be some things you've got to do to get everything working, your applications working because it will be not necessarily a minefield, but it's understanding that whether they're capable of, you know, working with multi-sessions and things like that. Uh, most applications do, but you always find the ones that are tricky, so... But yeah, I think um, yeah, I think it. I don't think it takes huge amounts of time. Um, it will be about, like I said, it's always about the actual hosts rather than the host pools and the the, the stuff that Azure is managing. Yeah, in my experience, you know, uh, from my side, if 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 you if you think that my sort of involvement in ABD is more around infrastructure managing that that infrastructure um i would say it was all around you know um if you have multi-session hosts you know how many how many sessions do you have per host you know um what hosts are you know what um what what virtual machine sizes are you using you know going through that you know to understand what types of applications your users are running you know because some applications aren't going to require as much you know um the CPU and memory pressure as maybe say full desktops and people using them like, you know, laptops and th- there's many different scenarios. So I think um, it- it's to me, every single AVD deployment is going to be unique in certain, you know, areas and, you know, design characteristics. I think the core, like you, you, you say, um, AVD itself as a service, you know, there's very, there's very few things to configure i don't know if that's the right thing to say but there's not you know there's there's three four maybe three or four areas i'm just thinking off the top of my head um are different areas that you need to configure you know and that can all be done in in portals it it comes to me it comes down to the infrastructure that you're running on how you manage that infrastructure i think the big black box that i don't particularly get involved in is the configuration you know so the specialist you know, Intune configuration, FS logics, and and all of that, getting it production ready. Um, it, it, I I didn't feel like it was complex. It just took iterations of testing, checking. You know, so it just took time to to do that. You know, and um, to me, you know, having a, a, a what was really important was having a set of users that were willing to give it a try. You know, not just us is the, the the people configuring it right like real people like non-technical well a lot of the people that we work with are still technical but like <laughs> the non i'll use it the non-avd technical you know um uh, people because 
their feedback is way and sometimes way more important than than anything else right you know they they, they find so many more use cases and, and edge cases that you could ever find by yourself so yeah uh, recruit yourself a good set of uh, willing victims to come and uh, test your your configuration because it will be wrong <laughs> um you will have to make changes so yeah definitely it's quite in, it's quite interesting you say about that you know our users or well, not our, our users in general that we work with but um uh, some of the some of our team are using um, AVD, and you would think that they'd be using it on Windows devices. But actually, you know, um, one of our colleagues is using it on a um, on an iPad Pro. I think it's an iPad Pro. It's the it's the more powerful one to uh, use as a device for going out and about in with, which is quite yeah. interesting. Quite interesting scenario. Um, well, it's it's, it's yeah. a way for people to it's a way for people to like you know BYOD, but without all the hassle of BYOD Imagine device. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because you're just you know it's a video. Well, it's not just a video stream, but it's like you know a, a stream of a desktop coming down, or you know um a, a, you know all your apps being streamed to you as well. So you know from from that perspective, it's it's really yeah really really powerful. Yeah, and I, I guess we haven't really talked about the securing it either, have we? Really, um, because 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 if you're using Azure AD, which is kind of a good thing in some scenarios, is that you can do um, conditional access on it. So you can specify um, one to to see whether you have access to any AVDs. Um, environments you can do mfa there but also when you go to log on to the device you can say you require mfa so if it's an unmatched device you can say right you need mfa if you're on a managed device you don't um and you can specify that in it, whether certain host pools um you can't um access on anything but a managed device as well so you if they're you know sensitive then you can you know restrict that access as well so it's definitely really easy to to kind of do some of that stuff yeah it has been thought about right you know that all the common i would say the common scenarios that we, we we've needed you know in terms of adding you know avd specific restrictions in you know there are more niche than what would go into say your intune configuration right you know actually yeah. in avd itself there's tons of configuration there and i would say everything that we've ever needed has been covered hasn't it right and it's from a portal perspective it's like check boxes of i don't want our users to be able to do that right you know it's 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 super simple so um so yeah no it is security as you can imagine is is it's got you know it's it's prime it's it's front and center definitely okay so um alan is there anything else in that area that you wanted to to cover or you think you've i, I know Everything on the podcast has to be pretty whistle stop anyway. Um, but <laughs> um, but if not, I'm I'm happy for us to move on to the next section. The the only thing I might say talk about is uh, going back to sort of management is um, scale sets and logic apps. Um, so so scale set is in effect a um, a profile a configuration that allows you to specify how much of a host pool you have. So say you had 10 session hosts that could say each session host could have 10. So you've got a capacity of 100. You don't 
if you to reduce costs, you don't want to turn all ten on every day because that'd be crazy. Um, so session uh, scale sets in effect allow you to specify when virtual machines start up and how many you have at the start, and then it will then say when one gets when a the pool gets you know x full, then it will spin up the next one. It'll turn it on. So this isn't deploying new session hosts. This is just turning them on out of the pool. And that's really, really powerful. Um, the kind of downside to the scale set that we've seen, and it's probably in our scenario that uh, in our scenario, um, session hosts are kind of for the occasional user that needs it. And, you know, business continuity or disaster recovery if, you know, someone's device you know dies and things like that. So it's not going to be used day in, day out. So we don't really want to spend, have a virtual machine running 24-7 because it's kind of a waste of, not a waste of money, but a, you know, a cost that we don't really need to need to be there. So the only downside to scale set is that you kind of, it, overnight, unless you're specifying to your users that after X time, there is not going to be any session hosts. Um, you you have to leave one up all the time. And that's the kind of thing we've seen, Sam, on it, that we for our from our scenario we may want someone to log on to one at any point of you know any point in the in the day it could be at night um but in a scale set scenario and we told it to for none to be available we wouldn't be able to do that that's right isn't it sam from yeah yeah seen. yeah it's, yeah it's for us you know when we're talking about business continuity somebody's you know laptop you know goes kaput and they happen to have you know, a personal device that they can use and they're willing to use, you know, as, as a, an intermediary, um, then, you know, we, we want people to be able to, um, uh, connect into, connect into our ABD, um, hosts, but if they have to wait two, three minutes for the host to boot, you know, um, let's say, you know, first thing in the morning, you know, the first user that uh, potentially logs into it, they have to wait two, three minutes. Then we don't really see that as a, a as a problem, you know, because um, once the host is up and, and you know and, and those types of things. Um. So so yeah. So we we did play around with. Are they called scaling plans? Aren't they? Are they called scaling plans or skill sets? Scaling plans. Yeah. Sorry. Scaling not plans. Sets. Yeah. I think it's uh, scaling plans. Um. And scaling plans are great when you've got, you know, um, maybe when you're at a bigger scale, um, yeah. when you've got, you know, uh, maybe four, six, eight hosts and you've got, you know, uh, let's say your organization, all you did was VDI. All you did was Azure Virtual Desktop. You had everything was thin and everything was in, you know, Azure. Then that would make way more sense because scaling down to one would make you know, total sense because, you know, the, like they, those users can't use their machines until, you know, they can get in. Right. So it makes sense to, you know, fill them up as you go. So, you know, if you have maximum of four users, you know, once you get to your third user, you fire up a new host and, blah, blah, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah. So, so, so yeah, scaling, scaling plans didn't, didn't work um, in, in our scenario, but, you know the fact they exist, and uh, and Microsoft are, are happy with you. You know, <laughs> spinning down your instances when they're not using, you're not using them. 
you know, um, which isn't probably in Microsoft's best interest to give you that that ability like right out of the box, which is a I would say a, a, a nice a nice move from them. Um, but yeah, definitely powerful, but unfortunately um, not quite what we need in our scenario. Yeah, and one thing that Microsoft provided with the solution, with the solution, as you said, Sam, we didn't really talk about it, is that you've got connect on start, start on connect. Sorry, so that when you using the you know the remote desktop client and you connect, it then says, "Oh, waiting for machine. Oh, it needs to be powered on. Powering on machine." So, if it is a rarity that you use it, you can have them powered off all the time until you need it, and that's kind of the scenario we went for because of the rarity of us using it is that we decided to build a logic app to monitor the the hosts and then when there was no sessions on them we'd then shut them down and then if someone needed it back again then they just power back on um so that's really that's worked for us really well because of the way we're using it you know like you said Sam if if there is you you know you've got 10 users that use it constantly every day then scale plans makes you know perfect sense it's just well, in our yeah. scenario it is it is on demand for us yeah exactly yeah so it, it, it and it also depends what your balance of user experiences versus you know uh, money you know uh, budgets and you know and, and cost savings is right you know yeah. because you know it's, so, some organizations will be like no i want to running continuously or you know whatever number uh, it needs to be Whereas um, we're also happy with, you know, um, giving those resources back when we're not needing them. And then when we do need them, we request them again. Um, so that there are some downsides to our scenario because there might not be any availability of the SKU that we're using, you know, in the region that we are. And, and that we are, there There are a few, you know, intentional design decisions that we've made with that and some, some risk we've taken on. Um, but everybody loves a bargain. So, you know, that's that's what it comes down to. And Microsoft would say, uh, what is it for this year? Do more with less, I think, is the, the catch line um, yep. uh, for, for this year. So we're just taking that, you know, uh, through spirit, we, right? That's, we're we taking did, it to we the didn't go degree. As, yeah, we didn't go as far as spot instances, though, did we? <laughs> no, we didn't. We did. We did. Um, we did. <laughs> we, we did um, investigate many different things. And um, yeah, it's like, oh, should we run just a bunch of spots, you know, because we could have, I don't know, what was it? Three spots per in- I can't remember what the exact ratio <laughs> was, but it was or at least twice the amount of spots. Um, so, yeah, we didn't go with that. In the end, it you know we didn't quite feel you know that a production shift system should be running on spot <laughs> instances, but you know, alas, we didn't get that one through. Okay, um, so Alan, you mentioned um, earlier on around Windows three six five. Could you could you tell us how? Because Windows three six five, from what I know, is a very similar um, offering from Microsoft. So could you just give us you know how they sort of sit side by side? Yeah, sure, and I also talk about. DevBox, I think it is. Azure DevBox. Um, yeah, so Windows 365 is a fully SaaS solution that, in effect, is based on subscription. So it's another subscription SKU that you can buy through the portals. Um, and in effect, you buy a virtual machine or a virtual desktop, a VDI, um, at a certain, um, a certain, you know, configuration you know two cpus four gig of ram etc or eight gig of ram etc and disk space so this is really 
sort of those users that are going to be using, you know, virtual desktops day in, day out, personal to them. You know, it might be that this works out better from a cost perspective because all you have to do is they can be Azure AD joined again. They can connect to a VNet. You can configure some VNet stuff in the background. Um, and they can talk to Intune, so you configure them. And really, all it is is a separate portal. And they can go in there and go, start my machine up, shut it down, um, rebuild it, um, and a few other various things. Um, but yeah, it's mainly based on subscriptions. So like I said, you can buy per monthly this, you know, in effect, virtual machine. Uh, I suppose it's similar to a reservation in Azure, but you don't get to choose what the C, you know, the CPU is and things like that, or the SKU. In effect, you do. I suppose in some sense you do, but it's mainly a subset of configuration. Um, the difference to Azure Vetch Desktop is that AVD is consumption based, so it's all based on your subscription, what you use. So you know that's the reason why shutting it down is you know of benefit to reduce costs. Um, if I talk about, um, I think it's called Azure DevBox. I think it's in preview. In effect, this is a sub-system or sub-view of um, Windows 365 that it's not, it's a full sort of SaaS solution that you can bit spin up um, box, multiple boxes per user um, that allows them to, in effect, do development, potentially. Um, and they, they can be... Um, put into different projects and, and things like that. And you can specify the SKU that a user can request. This is slightly different in than AVD because in effect, everything is managed. You just specify the SKUs and things like that from a configuration perspective. Um, and they can just go on and jump onto it and do what they need to do. So, yeah. Yeah. So, cause, cause I, I think DevBox is more around, um, having consistent development environments, you know, that you can spin up, right. That are saved for each one of like your, cause, cause the configuration for a developer, it can be like really insane, you know, for the different things that they've got to have installed and configured, you know, and that they can fire them back up, but it's all the same types of thing because dependent on different types of users, you might have different solutions, right. You know, yeah. because, you know, you might want your developers to have really thin laptops you know really portable and light laptops um so that they can roam around uh, but then then being able to have these environments that they can replicate over and over again that are consistent you know for their development needs so yeah there's there's many different ways to you know uh, to yeah it. i i think with the dev box as well it's around like you said keeping the projects separate because i'm guessing there can be conflicts with software installs and things like that definitely yeah, uh, yeah. not yeah not going not knowing too much about that but yeah i can, can see it. i can see it yeah, well, you, you want your, your, your really, ideally, you want your development machine to be as close to your staging environment as you possibly can in terms of configuration. And like you say, if you've got multiple applications in, you know, your, let's say you're a SaaS company, you build like, you've got like three or four different SaaS applications potentially, um, then you, you might want different configurations, you know, and just being able to remote into those different environments. So yeah, definitely. Um, so can we talk about how we could potentially automate the deployment of um, Azure Virtual Desktop? Of course we can. Um, so you can do it via the portal, um, but what we've seen is that there's, there, is multi there can be multiple locations to do configuration. And if you were testing and rebuilding or having to rebuild it multiple times, 
it is it would be quite easy to miss some configuration especially from from an infrastructure perspective if you if you're rebuilding the the vnets and all the the routes and things like that that you need to, you may need to do so there is a powershell module that you can use to you know potentially write a powershell script to to build it um you can of course use an arm template to build you know most of it if not all of it um but what seems to be our favorite um becoming my favorite now is uh you can terraform it which we've had some fun with that sam haven't we there's been quite a lot of um it's take it's probably take a little while to get it how we want it to be able to spin up stuff quite quickly, hasn't it? Yes, um, yeah, because there's 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 multiple sides to it. You know, you've got the actual infrastructure, the terraforming the infrastructure. Then you've got terraforming the network. Well, that's kind of part of infrastructure, but I I'm a sort of meant compute resource more than anything. You've got compute resources. You've got your networking. Um, then you've got azure virtual desktop itself so the service and configuring it and keeping that consistent and then you've also got the i'll call it like the intune side of things and fs logics to you know potentially um deal with so i'm not sure i can't remember the exact number i want to say seven when we deploy another session host i think it's either it's around 70 resources we create per session host i think in a production configuration so that's you know, that's uh, hosts, Azure Virtual Desktop, that's FS Logics, that's um, in uh, AAD Join, Intune, um, Subnet, is there anything? networking, yes, firewall, all that sort of stuff, uh, routing. Uh, so, yeah, so if you've, um, the thing I would say is, if you've got more than a couple of hosts, you might want to look at some sort of, you know, automated, you know, deployment solution uh, for that. Our, you know, our flavor of that is Terraform. And as Alan's mentioned, there's, and we know there's other ways of doing that as well. Um, but uh, tr- attempting to automate the deployment of that can be very advantageous, especially as Alan said, when you want to test your business continuity um, and your, in testing different versions and configurations um, uh, over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I think we've got our configuration. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about one of the configurations because we've got two. Um, I think we can spin it all up within, I, well, everything can be deployed within about 10 minutes, can't it? And that's with four hosts, I think, three or four hosts being deployed. Uh, there's still some time for them, those hosts to be ready from a configuration perspective, from a operating system because Intune's got to do its bits and things like that. But I think within 10 minutes, we could spin up something ready, couldn't we? In other scenarios we've got, I think it's even sort of ready at that point, I think, isn't it? Is it 10? Or yeah, it- and I, yeah, we haven't really even optimized that because there's a lot of stuff we do synchronously that we could probably do side by side. Um, but the main, the main slowest parts are the hosts themselves and the virtual machine extensions because they take a lot of time to, to validate and to, to call back. Uh, but yeah, I would say about um, ten minutes. I would say is, is you know we can we can do a full um, full rebuild of yeah two two or three hosts definitely in ten minutes um, quite easily. Yeah, and I think I think doing it through the portal. If you look at it, sort of twenty 
20, 30, 40 minutes, I think, because of all the things you've got to have your new checklist. Yeah, I, but that's 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 my biggest, um, you know, um, that's my b- biggest benefit of going through the, because um, d- creating a Terraform configuration isn't free. You know, it takes time. You know, you've got to make an investment there. Um, but on the other side, you know, if you did have to have a checklist that you had to go through and documentation to, you still need documentation for Terraform, but you, the checklist that you would need would be very, very, very long. And um, I personally think the chance of mistake is is a lot higher. You know, in, in that scenario, you know, not pasting in the correct um, Azure Virtual Desktop. Um, what are the configuration settings called? I can't remember what they're called. You get a little bit long string, don't you? Uh, the the session host configuration, the session RDP configuration. configuration, yeah. Yeah, the RDP configuration, you know, um, if you did it manually with the checkboxes, um, it, you know, this is, it, it could be prone to error there. So um, we're just, we're just lazy, aren't we, Alan? Uh, it's as simple as that. We don't want to have to do that sort of stuff. So, um, so yeah, we go out of our way to over-engineer Terraform and, and well, in this scenario, it's actually justified. So it's, yeah, it is pretty good. Okay, Alan. Um, what what are we looking at in terms of um, costs for Azure Virtual Desktop? Okay, so if you've got a Microsoft three six five E three license or a Windows, in effect, if you've got Windows Enterprise um, as part of your subscriptions or your licensing, um, you're able to use the Azure Virtual Desktop uh, solution. It's included. I was going to say free, but it doesn't really count because you have to have one of those licenses to have it. So it's it's included. So you have the rights to use. Um, Windows 10 and Windows 11 multi-session or VDI. Um, if you do want to go to Windows Server as a as a host, then you have to you have to have your um, your RDS cows and things like that still. So it's definitely. I mean, I can't really see any reason why you would go server now. Really, uh, I might be wrong. There might be some scenarios, but I don't see the point. Personally, not. not- not unless you had a mm, no no cuz cuz even if you jump you to another some... box jump to a server it didn't matter would it yeah i was yeah no i i can't think of one there there, there will be obviously niche cases yeah. out there but yeah i i can't think of one off the top of my head so so that's included so that means that the the management frag uh, fabric the the avd fabric there is included in your you know, your current licensing. Uh, the only caveat to that is if you've got, uh, I still need to look at this because I, I found it the other day, that if you've got contractors or non-company employees or accounts, so people who don't work for you, um, you then have to, they have to then pay between five to 10 pounds per user per month to use that, that fabric. And the five pounds is around just using remote app so if you're just giving them access to an application without the full desktop, then it's only, I think it's £4.80. Well, I just ran it up to £5 because I expect you know, the prices will change at some point. Um, but if you want to give them full desktop, then they can use the remote app and the full desktop, and it's £10 per user per month of them actually using it. So it's not a pre, it's in again, it's a sort of a consumption-based. So if you've got a third party that has a local account in Azure AD, then needs to remote onto 
one of these to then jump in effect to you know the application they manage maybe or to use your service because it could be you know you provide a service to a to a customer um when they use it they then pay for that month in effect so i think that's that's fairly fair sort of yeah. thing keeps it keeps it simple uh, when, when when they do the remote app for four pound 80 call it call it five pounds yeah is that for just a single app could you where does the delineation Good. of i think it's just using remote app service because okay, i think right. you can do i think because you're not using a full desktop you don't need to do some of the other technology i don't know how i don't know how they or why they do that that difference but I guess it's a different experience. If you're giving someone full desktop, they can do everything, can't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, remote app may, may be limited, powerful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so yeah, and then so that's kind of the, the the management piece, and then the only other consumption or the yeah the consumption is the actual virtual machine. So that is dependent on how big you want them, how many you have. So you can reduce that cost by using reservations if they're going to be on twenty four seven. Or, you know, you have solutions like the scale plan or logic apps or or Azure automation to help you manage that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's that's generally the cost thing. It doesn't seem too complicated. The the most complicated part is probably working out what host you want yeah, and how much power you need and how much you need. We've had yeah. that. We've been trying burstables and things like that. They don't sometimes yeah. they work out great. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's definitely important to go through that learning process uh, for sure. Definitely. Okay, yeah. um, Alan, anything else you want to cover on Azure Virtual Desktop? Uh, I would, I would say, if you've not tried it out and you think there's a scenario there, I'd definitely go and try it out because, it, like I said, it only takes ten minutes to see it working. You can even do the remote app quite easily and. Just even just testing it out and seeing what the experience is and seeing whether it would fit within your organization, I think. Because yeah, well, if, think... if 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 yeah, if you're up for managing that, you know, and I'm not saying that in a negative way, I'm saying that if you're up for you know replacing your current solution with something that you have control of and you can configure and you can understand, um, but also allow Microsoft um, the headache of actually hosting the service, you know, because it. It is sort of, you know, DIY and build it, but it is kind of um, like it's SaaS ish, isn't it? Because you, you know, I guess it's PaaS, isn't it? It is PaaS, but it, yeah, I would say so. It's just a bit, it's, it's a bit strange because it's like this, you know, um, because in the scenario of, um, you know, uh, bringing the compute resources from Azure, you obviously don't have to manage those um we do from a configuration perspective but then you've got things like intune that can help you rapidly you know and intune is relatively i'm not gonna relatively simplistic to set up you know um it is cloud first SaaS platform to do that configuration um and then the azure virtual desktop you know um product itself is completely managed you know so you do your configuration in those different places um so you aren't i wouldn't say you're looking after it day to day because all of those different services are pulling the levers for you 
right? You know, they're, 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 they're you know, your config, your configuration is, is helping you there. So like you say, Alan, uh, definitely worth, a, a you know, a, a walk through a, a test a, a proof of concept, maybe even a pilot to understand, you know, if it, if it would work for you in, in your scenario, uh, definitely. Cause we've, we've had great, you know, great results with Azure virtual desktop. We're big fans of it. Yeah. And there are, um, organizations out there. Um, we know a couple that, um, do like a managed service on it to look after it for you as well, if you needed. And cause there will be ones, you know, like you know, Citric, there'll be, um, Citric partners, Citrix partners out there that will do that for the, you know, for their solution. There are some others as well that will help manage that sort of environment for you as well. So it's not, you don't have to worry too much about managing if you don't want to. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a great, great thing to call out because I know for a lot of organizations, it's all a balance of, you know, time, uh, resource, money, risk, and, yeah. you know, a big matrix of different things. So so, so maybe somebody managing for you um, would make a lot of sense as well. So, yeah, definitely. Good, good shout, Alan. Okay, Alan. Yeah. Um, What's our what's our next episode? So episode three appears to be one that you are going to be uh, looking after or being the uh, the SME in, um, and it looks to be uh, reducing your cost on Azure. So do you want to give us some some info on that? Do do more with less. Uh, I'm going to try and um, d- distill some of the ways that um, you can identify your costs on Azure. Um, because I think Microsoft's tooling on uh, cost analysis is is very powerful, can be a bit overwhelming, it, it can seem a, a little bit complicated. So I'll, I'll talk to you about understanding your costs. And then I'm thinking of doing a section on, you know, some of my top tips for saving saving money in Azure, the the, the sort, sort of things that are expensive and that can can be overlooked and, and things like that. So, um, so, so yeah, so I'll also do that as part of the... Um, part of the episode and try and you know actually distill some because we can't talk for an hour about the cost analysis screens <laughs> in Azure because you know <laughs> I think we'll all go to sleep at that point so I'll try and get us some extra value into that episode <laughs> as well um no, if cool. you've enjoyed us <laughs> sorry go on Alan <laughs> no I was gonna say no cool it sounds sounds yeah it, it sounds good <laughs> um if you've enjoyed this episode please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future we have many more topics that we'd like to cover and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward we also have the ability for you to give us some feedback did you enjoy this episode um disagree with our thoughts or um is there anything we missed um please use the form that's in the show notes um, to leave us some feedback we'd really love to hear from you thanks very much for your overview of avd alan um it was really um yeah it was it was packed full of really useful information <laughs> and um yeah it's, it's a really exciting technology and um thanks everybody for listening and and we'll catch you in the next one yep thanks everyone hope you enjoyed it and we'll speak to you on the next episode see ya <laughs>